Welcome to With Wael, The Ultimate Show. CRA considers digital currency a commodity, so for a lot of people there's been a lot of confusion about 
okay, well, what does CRA count it as? Is there specific legislation or guidance? And really the only main point of guidance they've given is that they're treating it like a commodity, like bananas or wheat uh, or gold or whatever. Um, so to that end, so when you transact with crypto, uh, they're all considered barter transactions. Um, and they happen on the date that that transact, like the date that that exchange happens. So um, I was talking with Ben earlier, and he was talking about the case where someone buys a coffee with their Bitcoin, and that is a barter transaction. So on that day, it's valued at um, asset that you gave up on that day, so let's say your Bitcoin for your coffee was worth $2, well then it's like you sold Bitcoin on that day um, for $2, and so you got to kind of figure out the gain loss on it, which kind of makes it difficult <laughs> to say that. Um, if you're using Bitcoin for day-to-day -day transactions. Um, and then also we were talking about, okay, well what happens if I mine Bitcoin? Well, the date that you uh, receive that coin uh, would be the date that you you earned that income, and it would be at whatever the fair value of that coin is on that day. The same thing if you sold something for Bitcoin or some other um, uh, coin like Ethereum or Monero or whatever, um, it's going to be valued at uh, actually can be valued at whatever the value is, the fair value is what you gave up. So let's say you're selling t-shirts and they cost $20 Canadian and that's a well-established fair price. Well, if you just earned $20 Canadian and um, then that $20 Canadian equivalent value in Bitcoin is now going to become the cost of your Bitcoin. We'll get into that a little uh, more in a minute here. Um, and the other big thing is Transactions may be what's on what they call be on account of capital or on account of income. Uh, this is super important because the way that capital gains are treated for tax and the way that regular income is treated for tax are totally different. Um, and uh, I have a client that's going through an audit, and this is the fo actually the focus of the audit is whether it's <coughs> capital or income. Um, Again, this is going over way. Kind of described for our uh, transactions. Um, again, so if you're doing a coin for coin transaction, let's say you're selling some Ethereum for Monero or whatever. Um, one side of that transaction is the purchase of whatever you're going to receive in Canadian dollars. And then the other side of that is the sale of what you gave up at the fair market value in Canadian dollars on that date that the exchange, the trade happens. Um, there's a bit of a misconception that you only count your gains and losses when you convert to fiat and then you cash out. Uh, that's not the case. <laughs> uh, they actually happen as those trades happen, whether they happen on an exchange, whether you exchange in person, um, uh, if you do that trade in person, wherever wherever that exchange happens, it's, that's when the transaction not when you turn it to cash. Um, so, yeah, for example, you trade 
Y, CoinX is trading at $100 per coin. So your total proceeds for the sale of CoinX would be 1000 And then now your new cost for coin Y would be $1,000 for all 100 of them, or $10 a coin. Um, if there's no market value for the item that you gave up in that barter transaction, then you'd use the fair value of what you received. So if you sold your used graphics card or something like that for Bitcoin or for Ethereum, um, there's not really a super well-established uh, market value for your graphics card in that state or condition. So you just, out of convenience, use the value of the Ethereum or whatever coin you received. Um, and uh, just, a, just another note, so if you think about all the different transactions that you might encounter, it might be quite a few of them, and it might be quite the task to do it by hand. <laughs> um, have some clients that have 20,000 transactions. To go through that by hand would be an enormous time-consuming task. Uh, so if you do need automation, there are tools available to get prices automatically. Uh, one of them is my project that I'm working on. Uh, just to plug that. Um, so again, coming back to the importance of this income versus capital, uh, where the differences are, uh, you, may, you may be aware of this already. Capital gains are included in your income at 50% of the capital gain. And then if you have a loss, you can only apply capital losses to capital gains. You can't use it to reduce your other income. Uh, something that's important to note, so let's say you have a huge gain in 2017, and then you have losses in 2017. You are now listening to With Whale, The Ultimate Show.
is something that's probably characterizing somebody who day trades, somebody who invests a lot of time in researching the market, in uh, coming up with different trading strategies. Um, and it's their intent to go and uh, realize income from this. They're not just um, buying it and hoping that it goes up. Um, another indicator is somebody who is Using uh, margin trading, or if you're doing advanced uh, trading techniques like short selling, or if you're um, uh, marketing your crypto to the public. Um, so it's, and these are all very gray areas, and everybody's situation is going to be different. Um, and it's best to go and talk to a professional if you feel like, if you're unsure whether it's on an account of income or on account of capital. Um, because if they come back later, if they review you or audit you, um, you're going to be stuck with a substantial amount of interest and penalties if, if you have a lot of volume. So I'm just going to talk quickly about, well, not quickly, but I'm going to talk about uh, gains and losses. So how, how exactly do you go about and calculate your gains and losses? So included in your cost, would be the purchase price. So let's say you went and bought um, a coin of and you paid X dollars for it. But it also includes any cost that's directly to the, to the purchase. So like if you paid transaction fees to buy that coin, that cost is then included in the cost of your coin. So let's say you bought coins for $100 and you had a $5 transaction fee. So the cost of your coins then are Well, if you uh, borrowed money to purchase the asset, the interest uh, that you have paid on that amount that you borrowed would be included in the cost as well. Uh, another note is costs for each asset have to be pooled regardless of where they're held. So if you have multiple exchange accounts or multiple wallets, which is often the case for most people, you have to pool all of your Bitcoin, all of your Ethereum, all of your Monero, whatever it is that you have, regardless of where you hold it. So let's say if I held uh, Ethereum uh, on Coinbase, I have some on Quadriga, I have some on Kraken. Um, you have to aggregate all that together um, as just Ethereum. So you have to kind of pull all, those, all that information together into one uh, aggregated uh, transaction list. Um, you also have to report the Canadian dollars, so you have to tra translate all, again, like I was talking about with barter transactions, all these have to be translated into Canadian dollars uh, for calculating your gain or loss. And um, there are other costing methods like FIFO, which are applicable if it's on account of income, in which case it's treated like inventory, but if you are Treating it as capital, you need to use the average cost method. Um, and then the average cost method is just um, the total amount that you've invested. So let's say you're going to go sell some coins. So figure out your cost on those outgoing coins. It's just the total dollars invested, including fees and cost of purchase, uh, divided 
by the number of the units that you purchase. So let's say uh, for all your holdings for Ethereum, and again, keep in mind that you have to aggregate all your various sources uh, together. Uh, you've paid in total uh, $10,000, and you've got a thousand Ethereum, let's say. Um, so your your average cost per Ethereum would be $100. And then the way that you would calculate your gain. So let's say I sold um, 50 of those Ethereum. Actually, I'll get to an example. In a second. Um, so you just take the amount that you would have received from that sale, and you subtract it by the number that you sold times the average cost per unit. Um, and then your total uh, investment will be subtracted by whatever you pulled out for that average cost. So, okay, I'm going to go to this example here. Um, so let's say you bought 100 coins and there's $10,000 for your investment. So your average cost per coin would be $100. Now let's say in time period two, you sold 50 coins for $300 each. So the way you calculate your gain would be you've got $15,000 total proceeds. And then your, um, your cost would be 50 times your average cost that you calculated up in one. So your gain would be 15,000 minus your $5,000 cost, or $5,000. Or sorry, that'd be $10,000. I mean, a typo. <laughs> um, now let's say you repurchase um, 25 coins for $500 each. Well, then you, your new average cost would be uh, the $5,000 cost that you had left over previous uh, disposition, plus your 12500 that you paid for your $25, 25 coins. So your new total investment would be 17500 oh, um, uh, divided by the total amount of coins you've got. So you have $233.33 per coin. Your new average January, say, 
You are now listening to With Whale, The Ultimate Show. Really incur a lot. Uh, so that's why that's not allowed. Um, another thing that I've encountered is trying to split your income with children by gifting the assets. Um, <clears throat> this is uh, also not allowed. <laughs> um, because what's going to happen is, say, say you gifted some Bitcoin to your, your minor child and uh, they went and realized a, a big gain on it. Uh, what's going to happen is because you've gifted that to them, the, the view is that you didn't really, it's not really theirs, it's yours and you're just using your child as a vehicle to uh, use their income, like use their tax brackets and their, um, their tax credits. So what's going to happen is, instead of that gain being in your job, on your child's tax return, it's going to get attributed back to, to you as the parent. Um, and I think that's something that I've seen it a few times where it's, it's caused a problem. Um, the other thing, too, is just, like I mentioned, advanced trading techniques. Uh, so like if you're short selling or you're margin trading or uh, you're using other advanced
when we can, if we can get the screen up, we'll, uh, we can get on the, the comfy seats, I guess. Um, yeah, so we're going to do some questions. Um, I know I've got one in mind that you were just talking about a moment ago was the, the gifting. So you were referring to <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Nobody wants the answer. <laughs> Hi. Can we cool. Can we get the screen up and the lights on? <laughs> Bitcoin. There we go. <laughs> there. Hey, you can see us. Okay. Um, so I was going to ask about the gifting. In the presentation, you were referring specifically to a child that was also a minor. Yes. So how does that pertain um, to a child that isn't a minor or to a spouse or to a family member? What's What are the rules there like? So if um, it only applies to minor that rule, that specific rule, it's called attribution. Okay, and so what kind of limitations are there on gifting then? So you can you can gift somebody uh, an asset, that's fine. Okay. Um, the, but if you gift your child and then they earn income off of that asset, that, a, that income now becomes the income of the parent. Okay, all right. It's kind of, it's a bit of a confusing rule, but Okay, so if, if I gave my child a Bitcoin, yeah. and then there is a subsequent gain on that Bitcoin in, in, yeah. in Canadian dollar terms, the income on that, even though, say, a, an adult child of mine has made that gain, is yeah. that gain still technically mine, you mean? Yeah, that's still yours. Wow, okay. So essentially the gift would have to be given and then immediately converted to Canadian dollars for there to be no further? Um, yeah, like if, like I would make a transaction to, to yeah. kind of freeze that. Yeah, okay, so, income. okay, so essentially I would have to, to, to avoid any further confusion, I'd have to convert it at that time and give them the, the dollars instead, but then I'd still be realizing. Yeah, so I I'd just be careful with that. <laughs> okay. um, I'd have to, I don't have the, those, uh, I don't have the attribution rules right off the top of my head right now. Okay. Um, so I would that'd be something I'd have to look up. Okay, cool. Um, and the other uh, question that I had, I jotted it down here. It was one of the last things. Oh, um, there's the 30-day the uh, loss where if, if you oh, sell. Yeah. And so so beyond 30 days, it's, it's Fine. still... Okay, yep. so if, if somebody took some losses, sold at the end of like, you know, a few days ago, the last couple days of, of 2018, and then waited until more than 30 days later to rebuy. Then it's not a super, what they call superficial loss. It'd just be a regular loss. Okay, yep. okay, fair enough. Awesome. So I'm going to open up some questions for the audience. I got one right here. So I have a complex question, but it's very simple, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you are interpreting you are getting the tax act from this perspective because you are dealing with it as a trade asset because we know in porter porter doesn't have cash value porter doesn't reserve a value doesn't exchange value otherwise it will be under money law and will go to jail uh, bitcoins is illegal where we are so you are dealing with it as asset the question is do you foresee this will become more like explicit laws coming across. And the second question, what will happen if I use and pay you in Bitcoin? Will you convert them back to the Canadian dollar? Sorry, was that first question? Yeah, the first. Do you see the laws may come and address the Bitcoin as a standalone entity? Because I understand your, yeah. your, um, your digesting is a function of exactly what you do, your stock market, exactly what you do, it's like an investment token and it goes back and forth, but this is actually a currency in some nations, that's right? It, not in Canada. I know, not in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go home, I want to go home, believe me, okay? Yeah, and, and some countries do have uh, like a national digital currency, um, but in Canada that's not the case. In Canada it's just treated as a commodity. Okay. Um, so, for example, if if I did some work for you and I sent you an accounting bill, and let's say it's a thousand dollars, and you decided to pay me in Ethereum, I have to report that thousand dollars in income. As Canadian, not in as Canadian dollars. Not you as a hundred. Report your taxes in Canadian dollars. Okay. Okay. And sorry, the the oh you that was the second part of the question. Okay. Did that kind of answer? Yeah. 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 You are now listening to With Whale, The Ultimate Show. Okay, it's good, it's doing great, it's doing great. <laughs> okay. um, is there more questions out there? Yes. So, are there, have you had dealings with Revenue Canada with individuals or departments where they actually focus on cryptocurrency? Or are they still just applying kind of old laws to it as a commodity? So, I can't talk a whole lot about it, but um, I do have a client that's going through an audit, and they do have... Uh,
yeah. and and uh, and a lot of time you you get a lot of flack yeah. um, for for just dropping the knowledge of, of what it currently is. And it, I don't envy you in the fact that that <laughs> you have the the hard job of saying, well, this is this is what it is, even though. Many people would disagree, and I'd say rightfully so, on a number of accounts based on on what what is laid out versus the reality of, of how the asset itself um, works. Yeah. But but you get to be the guy that says, well, this is what they say, and, and it's a kind of a case of shooting the messenger a lot of times. Do you feel that way? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, as an accountant, sometimes I have to tell people they owe a lot of tax, and that's kind of painful. Uh, and then I give them a bill. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, 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 that can be difficult. Um, if you want the rules to change, get involved with your local politicians. They're the ones that write the policies. Um, and they're the ones that can make changes. So don't ask me to make changes. I'm not a politician. Yeah. Talk to your MP. Yeah. So, so you... <laughs> You essentially just get to get to be the messenger and, and fill everybody in. Um, yeah. So, for people like along that vein, for people that do want to um, actually be involved in in potential uh, processes of actually getting these laws either written or changed, or or is your MP the first person that you would say you start talking to? Like, well, where, where does that process start? Uh, your MP is like your representative in Parliament. Um, and where the tax law gets written is in Parliament. So if you want to make a change, and that's where to do it. Uh, provincial taxes are, you know, with your MLA. Um, but in general, the way that the province treats certain things is just followed. Yeah. Fair enough. Awesome. Uh, I see one right here. If an asset becomes non-recoverable each year, yeah. um, it's not sold, Yeah, but you have to wait two years. You have to wait two years? Yeah. You have to make sure that, I think it's an 18-month uh, period from when you would have deemed it to be uh, lost or damaged or stolen and when you can actually get, claim the loss for that. So 
they have the laptop destroyed with work, you know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so it would still follow that that cooling off period. Yeah. So you'd have to, you'd have to, and that's going to be tricky to show because you'd have to have documentation. Oh, I destroyed my laptop. Yeah. Did you take a picture of it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and and at what point does taking a picture of your destroyed laptop become suspicious? Like, is that do they look at that as weird? <laughs> that I don't know. As, as long as you can prove that it was destroyed somehow, if you went and took it to a data recovery lab and they gave you a report that said, no, your data is not recoverable, yeah. you know, that, that sort of thing. My, my uh, so I was, again, we were talking about this prior, but um, I, I watched a, uh, I went to a talk a couple, of, about a year and a half ago, I think, um, and it was, again, on, on tax implications and, and how uh, it would be considered capital gains, or, but if there's something like that, then it would be, con in theory, considered a capital loss. And so the question came up, um, in, in the case of, of theft, like you said, it, it can be difficult to prove. And, yeah. I mean, anybody can create a new Bitcoin address yeah. and send their Bitcoin to the new Bitcoin address and, yeah. and claim theft. And so... Have, like how how is that grappled with? And I mean, there are chain analytics where if a person were to do that and then make a mistake and tie the, those moved coins back to something that is associated yeah. down the line. Yeah, like if you if you did that, moved it to a wallet, a different wallet address, and then moved it into your own exchange account and cashed out on it. Obviously, yeah. you can figure that out. But and, and also, people don't realize in the in the background. Um, it's not only that, but it's if those coins, like let's say somebody was trying to do that, if somebody said these coins were stolen and moved them to a separate wallet, and let's say you have other coins that you've bought on an exchange elsewhere, and at some point down the line, if those coins co-mingle at any point, then it stands to reason that you've had both sets of coins the entire time. That can be tracked on-chain. So... Um, when you're looking at stuff like that, that, that's what chain analytics do. They, they pull data points and look at the flow of coins from wallet to wallet and, and where, they, where they separate. And if they co-mingle again, then you can see that, oh, well, even though they split into different wallets, they came back together here. Obviously, it was the same person. Like the, the chances that that person accepted coins from these 17 other people that were originally his coins back into his own wallet are, are essentially astronom astronomically small. So that's, that's what some of these things do. Does CRE has a chain analytics access? I'm sure they do now. <laughs> I can't comment on that. I know. They don't, no, I, they I don't have tell you. I, they, they don't like to show their hand. Yeah. I have a comment about your presentation. You may not like it, but you will like it, okay? You came, you came after the sovereignty and the guys who doesn't want to belong to the system. <laughs> and, and you come now and tell us you have to be a good citizen and declare it to taxes, okay? Yeah. Like, it's a duality, okay? <laughs> okay, can I, can I, can I, uh, I will say that there's chain analytics that, that you were asking about, and, and I'm sure CRA is doing stuff like that. And, again, I'm not condoning anything, but, but these chain analytics work on a, a certain set of assumptions. And there are many people that are in the camp of being self-sovereign and, and maintaining privacy that are building tools that essentially break all of the assumptions in chain analysis. Also, there are things like secondary...
You are now listening to With Whale, The Ultimate Show. There's, when it comes to Lightning Network, every transaction on the Lightning Network hops from 20 different people, and each one is routed through an Onion Network Tor browser that is essentially every hop in the chain has no idea whether they're hop number two or hop number 19. So you don't know if, if the final destination is the next person that it gets routed to or if that's just a hop along the way. So there are a lot of things that reintroduce fungibility. Um, but again, if somebody is trying to do something that doesn't, doesn't sit well with tax law, then and they slip up in some way, shape, or form, and don't, you know, don't have that knowledge of how the background is working, um, then you're kind of screwed. So you got to be careful. <laughs> I'm not saying to do yeah. it, but you know, like, don't try not to play games because that can yeah. Back. Don't don't play games. It's ultimately your responsibility to report your taxes fairly, um, and it's it's your duty as a Canadian citizen to do that. Um, also. Um, as, as this becomes more mainstream, uh, it hurts It hurts the image for cryptocurrency if there's people who are dodging taxes. Um, it really damages the image of the scene. Uh, Depends who you talk to. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it does. Um, that's my personal opinion. Uh, I know there's different opinions. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> but if you're using it to dodge taxes, that, that to me, well, I mean, dodging taxes via an immutable record of all transactions <coughs> ever is is probably not in your best interest. No, it's a bad idea. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, like Bitcoin was was founded in the most libertarian of conditions, and so um, I think that uh, a lot of early adopters are. That's why you you go on Reddit and you get a pushback because oh yeah, for sure because everybody's you know, they ask questions to which they don't really want the answers. Um, yeah. And and I I think we're at this this strange kind of crossroads where there's there's a tax law like th- there's current tax law based on easily auditable currency yeah. and banking system, and we've introduced potentially a very obfuscated kind of financial system that could really screw with um, the way taxes are currently done. And I don't know, I don't know if on your end, do you see tax law down the road, if it becomes an issue to really start to collect on certain methods of income, do you see them shifting tax law for them to be able to basically recoup the losses of people trying to skirt tax law? Yeah, and in a lot of ways, there's already provisions in place. So if they suspect you of avoiding tax or if you're offloading stuff to tax shelter uh, countries, um, there is a provision in the Tax Act called the General <coughs> Anti-Avoidance Rule. And if they catch you under that, heaven help you. <laughs> changes, you know, I could see it 
depending on how visible it is in the media and how much of it, an issue it is uh, for the constituents, for MPs and stuff like that, they could they could write something. But I can't only speculate on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it, when you get down to the, the thick of it, if you want to be a business that exists within Canada, yeah. um, you know, you you have to report income. Yeah. You know, um, and pay tax on that. If you want to, if you have employees. As a business, it's probably in your best interest to report the income oh, yeah. that you're paying to somebody else because that's a write-off for yourself. Yeah, and you know it wouldn't be fair if you got a paycheck and there was no deductions on it, and then you went to file your taxes and you lost a little bit of money. Yeah, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so in in that essence, that likely won't change. It's yeah. more, it's more the the kind of capital gains aspect of of, of uh, digital assets. Stuff like that, where I think it can, will become more of a challenge down the line, um, because I mean, let's let's face it, legislation is slow and technology moves quite quickly. Yeah. Um, this is where I see more of a uh, perhaps a, a lean towards something like a, a, a more of a flat tax, like a, a, a consumption tax rather, um, yeah. upping that to to skirt losses from other forms of revenue. I don't know. I, I could only guess. How they might do it. Um, certainly, consumption tax is one way to do it. Um, yeah, because it is tricky. If I mean, the reality of it is, like with the current rules, if you're using crypto to transact, like buy coffee, yeah. you know, uh, you know, go buy a car or whatever. Um, uh, you know, if you're using it on a day-to-day basis, that gets that's quite onerous to track. Yeah. So. I think as it becomes more, it's in our best interest to make it more mainstream, more mainstream because people are gonna pick up on this. There's a pain, yeah. right? Uh, and there's gonna be more pressure to treat it more as a currency. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Any other questions? Yeah, that's all opinions. <laughs> a fork. Does it yeah. create a taxable event? And how do you trigger forks? Okay, so you're, you're thinking of like uh, when you get a fork and you that works is um, you now have uh, an asset that has zero cost. So, you're, so like, let's say you had Bitcoin and you owned it during the Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash fork, and then suddenly you've got Bitcoin Cash out of nowhere. Um, it basically has zero cost. But did the Bitcoin go down? It didn't. Okay. So it, does, it doesn't matter. Whatever happened to the other side of the fork, um, it doesn't matter. The one that you receive uh, by virtue of the fork happening, it just has zero cost. So let's say uh, you had one Bitcoin during the fork and you got one Bitcoin cash. Now when you go and sell that Bitcoin cash, say it's on the day you sell it, it's for $200, then you just have basically a $200 So at the point of so it's it's really only if you take the asset that's been bestowed upon you, yeah, by virtue, which you may not necessarily get if you have yeah. your Bitcoin on an exchange. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> the other difficult thing. A lot of people, um, like only I was looking at the numbers, and only a small percentage of Bitcoin cash has ever been moved from the initial wallet that it originally yeah. sat in. 
And so that just kind of makes obvious how many people did not ever access the funds for that fork. And so I think it would be difficult to say, and also it's kind of like, well, at what point do you draw the line? If it was like you owe tax on that fork, at what point do you draw the line? If somebody's just airdropping bullshit to Bitcoin owners, do you have to pay attention to that every single time if it has any sort of value? I would hope not. I would argue that it's not like those airdrops and stuff like that. It's not practicable to keep track of all that. You may not be aware of it. Well, yeah, most aren't. Yeah, and also when hard forks happen, you don't necessarily know the market value. It's undeterminable, the market value of that forked coin at the time that the fork happens. Yeah, it might happen quite rapidly depending on what the fork was. But at the time of the fork, there's really no established market value. The price discovery hasn't happened. That's interesting. So I'd say it's zero. Question. Yeah? Will there be any information on your application about any kind of assets you own that are overseas? If there would be any deduction possible, if you own a company here and you're dealing with something overseas, is there going to be information in the application? Will there be any tools in the application that we can use? So you have like a foreign company and a domestic company. No, your own company here in Canada. Yeah. Do you do taxes with that company that you own here, over here? Yeah. If you have assets overseas in other countries, will there be some tools in there to get deduction or something? You are now listening to With Whale, The Ultimate Show. That's something we could look at. It's still developing it, so that's certainly something that we could look at. Maybe can you just give just a little bit more of a broad overview of what the application will look like to the person? Like when you log into the application, what is somebody going to see? What are they going to be able to do just off the bat? So when you first log into the application, you'll see a dashboard with your positions, with your cost and the unrealized gain or loss, and your realized gain or loss to date. And then there will be sections of the application to import your data or to connect it to your wallet or an exchange API. And then there will be also sections for – so what can happen is a lot of people don't have complete records, so there will be tools there to help discover where you may have a wallet that you forgot about. A lot of cases like – so like calculating your gain and loss is time series dependent, and some exchanges report the dates and times in a funny way. Like they might report – some might report in UTC, some might report it in your local time zone, and if you get it all backwards, it really messes things up. So one of the things we'll be just going through is validating when those transactions actually happen. Kind of a – It's like – think of like QuickBooks for crypto, but I don't want to say that because it's not really a thing. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> what about data collection there? So what kind of data collection is is there any happening, or is it like the is it a self-contained thing, or is it like what kind of privacy is there? Uh, oh, for data, for like your data on the yeah yeah on the app. Um, so like during the testing phase. Transmission's all encrypted, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, the storage during the testing phase won't be, mm -hmm. so keep that in mind. You do require authentication to access that data, mm -hmm. but it won't be encrypted on the server side. During the test phase, uh, during the official rollout, it will be. Okay. Uh, I'll take one more here. One more again. Uh, what if your exchange is... Uh, So you report your income in Canada based on your residency. So if you're a resident in Canada, you report your worldwide income. It doesn't matter where you earned it. That's an important uh, thing to know. <laughs> and cannot escape. Yeah, and also if you have assets with a cost of more than $100,000 outside of Canada, you have to report that uh, on, the, on your, it's called your foreign income verification. So outside of Canada would pertain to if it's residing on uh, like a, a service that is located yeah. outside of Canada. So, like so if an exchange is holding your coins and that exchange is not in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, say it's in the Virgin Islands or somewhere, yeah. which is a common place actually, um, you still have to report that. Okay. Um, but that obviously that cannot pertain to digital assets because, I mean, you can have multiple keys in multiple locations. Yeah, so your keys that you have, right, Yeah. you know, whether those are foreign or yeah. domestic. Yeah, there's technically uh, there's no such thing as foreign or domestic keys. I mean, just you as a person have yeah. access to that key, so wherever it is that you are. Yeah. Is probably where I'd say that that asset exists. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What if it's in your brain? <laughs> Right there. <laughs> cool. Um, cool. So uh, I'm I'm gonna, given our time, I'm going to uh, wrap it there. Do you have any final final thoughts? Any anything? To, uh, again, you can give your uh, uh, name, the app, and everything where people can find you. And all yeah. That. So it's called TallyMe.io is the name of the app. Um, again, it's it's not released yet, and it is in a limited beta. So you have to apply to be part of the limited. Um, and I'm taking a very, very small group of people to start with, and then I'll expand out, and then I'll introduce the ability to, for you to invite people. Um, and it's tallyme.io, like tally me banana, tallyme.io. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> and where can they find uh, your, your company and website or anything like that? Oh, um, also I'll have cards out front for my accounting firm. Uh, the app and my accounting firm are two different different things. Um, if you want personalized advice, tax advice, you'll go through my firm. The app is more just a tool for you to help you calculate your gains and income. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's give them a big round of applause. Thank you very much. Alright, uh, so feel free to uh, hit the bathroom, do whatever you need to do. We're going to be back here. Um, thank you for taking the time to listen to this session. I know it was a long, maybe the 
audio quality may not be the best. However, it's live session. It shows how people react when they try to learn. I would love to get your feedback. And if you are interested in getting the workbook or connecting with me, you can always visit wizyl.com and looking forward to, to hear your feedback. Thank you. Thank you for listening to With Wael, The Ultimate Show.